locked in. All right, look at you. you, you it's, uh, we take a week off, and already you're like back at square one. It's like you've never I, done what, this exactly. Where am I? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Craig, you were on vacation. Yes, I was. You went to the mystical island of Japan. Islands, John. It's an archipelago, uh, technically. Oh, okay. An archipelago. Yeah. <laughs> archipelago, that's right. <laughs> so I host trivia, and uh, sometimes I'll do the pronunciation on some hard words. They'll always include the pronunciation of archipelago. Uh, <laughs> now, I mean, I can't say it right. Yeah. Archipelago, because yes, it is spelled like archipelago. <laughs> All right. Can you think of some other examples? I mean, I that seems a little condescending to you um, and to other and to other trivia hosts one that a, they they didn't include and i wish that they had i had to like look it up on the spot or before i had to read the answer was um who's that famous uh pink-haired soccer player female soccer player uh oh megan rapno rap is it rapno or rapino like is it or is it rapin like i didn't know no it's i believe it's just two syllables rapno oh, okay i i pronounce yeah. it rapino so, all right. see, again... Well, they should know who you're talking about. I, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah, although I can understand the frustration, like, you're at a trivia night, and the host either stumbles over it or reads it out wrong. Exactly. And yeah. everybody goes, what, what? Yeah. And it's hard enough to hear me when, you know, there's lots of noise in the bar. It's just, I'm doing, I'm doing well, a public speak service. Speak louder, John. Come on. I've, I've got a mic for crying out loud. Everyone should stop talking when I'm speaking, Okay. <laughs> No, you still have to puff your chest out, breathe from your diaphragm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I eat that mic. Mm, nom, 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 yeah. nom. Yes, eat it. All right. Where was I? Oh, yeah, Japan. Yes, you went to Japan, finally. Yeah. You've been talking about a, this... wanting to do this for years. Yeah, this has been a bucket list destination for me. And although I didn't get to do everything I wanted, again, it was an extraordinary trip mm-hmm. um, for reasons that I will outline right now. For one, the flying experience. Okay. How long was the flight? Uh, if... From the four flights I had, two and back, two of them, I didn't have a seat neighbor. And one of them, I had neighbors so nice, they actually gave me hand cream to try to uh, moisturize my hands. So that was very sweet of them. <laughs> they didn't check your elbows for you? They weren't like, oh, no. bless his heart. He needs I help. had sleeves on, so <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> so Japan, if, if I could start with um, maybe some consumer advice, and I think this is very vital, mm. is that um, you're, you're pre- presumably going to land in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, make sure it's on the weekend or on hours outside of rush hour, because it's like New York City in that it's o- it's always racing. It's mm-hmm. something's always going on. So if you do land, like God God bless these people, just like let them be, especially during <laughs> rush hour, because the last thing they need, especially when you're getting crushed on a train, is you your big fat American ass and your all your <laughs> luggage on the train. It's good. Hey, can anyone direct me to Shinagawa Station? Um, I don't know why I put on a Texan accent. When I, when I asked that, but <laughs> I just loved your pronunciation. Shinagawa? <laughs> Shinagawa, is that what it's called? <laughs> I mean, look, yes, Americans, gut wise, are bigger, but also the Japanese are small people. I, you say that, but that was actually one big surprise. They're actually pretty tall. Oh, they're okay. taller than me, and I'm and I'm not short. I'm five eleven. So, mm, okay. a lot of them, particularly the high schoolers, at mm. one point beat me up and took my <laughs> took my all the yen I had on me. Oh, <laughs> that's not what happened. I also want to make this clear and why Japan is such a, a great tourist destination, mm-hmm. and that's because they literally live for hospitality. They are there to serve you. And honestly, and that is why I'm always scared to go to Japan because I cannot handle 
all the expectations. Like I've I've seen like little videos explaining how you're supposed to pay with a credit card. They have to put a dish down first, and then you have to put your card on the dish. There's there's too much pressure to be uh, uh, on all the time with these proper social graces. As a as a boorish American, I just you know fart and burp my way through. <laughs> well, life. that's a, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think they expect that from you. Oh, okay. um, a lot of them will do their best to. Uh, give some facility to English speakers um, mm-hmm. and Korean speakers and Chinese. Again, they're there to serve you. So yes, there are a lot of customs, like every money that changes hands, like they do it with two hands, they they, mm-hmm. they literally bow, like all of that is still all that formality is still there, but it's still like subsu- uh, subsists on such a generous spirit that it doesn't matter if you burp or fart when it happens. Or... <laughs> oh my god, I can't tell you how many times i farted when I'm giving money to somebody like, "Eh, here you go, sweetheart. (laughs) Well, and you feel this little camaraderie. It, it it feels, it feels very uh, earnestly good. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are going to be, if you are going to be a a minority, a racial minority or not speak the native language of the country, Japan is the place to be. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. I'll, 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 I'll agree with that. But Greg, did you, did you stay in the urban setting or did you venture out into the countryside? Uh, I stayed in the urban settings, the tourist destinations, okay. essentially, of Tokyo and Kyoto. I didn't have, really have, we didn't have time to go to the other, uh, anywhere else on the ar- archipelago, because <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would have liked to go to the northernmost island and, and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we only had a week. Okay. Very thankful my buddy who did know some Japanese so he could communicate. So at least go prepared, I think, is, is one other piece of advice I would have. One thing I want to prepare you for though is that what you're going to be doing is a lot of visiting a lot of shrines and 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 stuff of historical and cultural import to japan hmm. and that i don't well, like shrines <laughs> they're haunted they've, they've got spooky things there i don't care for it well you think they're haunted by spirits i think they're haunted by something else okay because yes they they attract a lot of tourists like i saw a lot of Chinese folks, Europeans, other Americans like me, like kind of rolling up to these shrines and gawking at the, the just splendid architecture. Like that's all great, but they they do also hold some religious significance for the people of Japan. So they they roll up, they they bow either at the shrine itself or the opening gate, and then throw in like a hundred yen and make their prayers known. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is the one thing I don't know about Shintoism, and I couldn't quite square in my head is like imagine like people are just allowed to like wander into your church service on Sunday (laughs) (laughs) and there's like a there's like a commercial component to it like next to the stand you know where they're selling tchotchkes or or little charms or something they're also selling your little prayer requests Mm. and so that that's something I couldn't quite square is this is this genuine that's something I'm not familiar with is this transactional nature of, of their religion. So I mean, when I say their religion, they, I mean one of the major religions in Japan. I mean, there are those kind of touristy uh, Catholic masses that kind of happen like on a daily and people can kind of come in and pay their respects or, you know, the lapsed Catholics yeah. can go in there and ponder, you know, are they making the right decision with their lives? But yeah, this that does kind of seem a little interesting. And where does all that money go? Does that money is like is that a donation to the shrine? Who's who's pocketing? I think so. That? Yeah, I think it's for preservation to the shrine. Okay, all right. Yeah, how big are these shrines? Well, that's the thing. They they vary wildly, mm. um, which is pretty cool. I went to the I went to the most Instagrammable one, oh. the Fushimi Inari one. Okay, uh, you're you're familiar with all those orange gates. Yeah, that's the one yes, in yes. Kyoto. Okay, yeah. all right. I'm sure it goes to the preservation or addition to many many gates because there's like got to be like a hundred thousand in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One other warning that that 
that walk that is not a walk that is a hike okay. all the way to the top of Inari Mountain so <laughs> come be prepared <laughs> well you didn't get any rural uh, exercise so you needed you needed it okay I mean you just need exercise I, in general but that's true if anything I think I lost weight this week in in contrast to everywhere else when you're a tourist. Um, well, yeah, I mean, anywhere outside of America, you're going to lose weight. I guess so. You're not eating the super processed foods that we have to subsist on here, so. No. You're probably eating nothing but rice and your little noodle shops and your little noodle stalls. Yeah, speaking of cuisine, John, you're probably wondering, what food recommendations do I have? Oh, do I ever. Please, go yeah. on. <laughs> it's like Anthony Bourdain over here. Yeah, the answer to the answer to that is no. I don't have any food recommendations. Go anywhere because it's going to be great. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because they're Japanese and they believe in the concept of like dough. There's the way of doing things. Ah. So there is not going to be no restaurant of like, oh, we, we're fusing uh, French cuisine with uh, Japanese style. No, <laughs> you're going to get ramen the same way. You're going to get sushi the same way, and it's all going to be delicious. Oh, so just go the, anywhere, and you're going to have a great. Where's meal. the experimentation? Where's the cross pollination? <laughs> Come on. I was talking about this with my coworker. Today we were, tra- we were talking about faux places, like faux places yeah. that we like to go to, and I like, I'm not a faux guy because I'm not a big beef broth person. I like chicken broth myself, so it's like mm-hmm. I don't I don't like traditional faux. So I don't know, like I, I just don't th- I just don't think I would do well in Japan. I'm not a big tradition guy. I don't like all this formality. It's it's too much. You're just you talking about it is just filling me with anxiety. So much anxiety. <laughs> yeah. There, well, I getting to that point, the the concept of dough. I, you're right. There's one other thing that I think y'all chafe against when you go to Japan mm-hmm. is that the experience is, is very uniform. Yeah. Like, if you get on the train, you will see salarymen all in suits. You will see high school students all in uniforms. Mm-hmm. So it's not a country that values free or individual expression. Instead, it values, like, the team and the collective. And so that's what you really work towards. And I think that's where the greatest cultural difference is between American tourists coming in and looking for their own inspiration or something. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's, that was my impetus for the trip. My love of Japan starts with fictional films. And so I wanted to go see their go there and see what real life was like so no did you get to see any anything related to akira kurosawa no um what? so th- that's the, my biggest disappointment is there there are three things that they don't have enough of in japan that i really want mm-hmm. one accessibility to mount fuji all months of the year because that's the <laughs> only thing i want to do is climb mount fuji i didn't oh, get okay. to because it's obviously the winter and it's impassable okay uh two uh, trash cans they want to limit the amount of littering so they don't have enough trash cans like publicly available so you got to carry around uh, hmm. all your plastic bottles and stuff like that oh yeah because prohibition three, works if we want less littering yeah. put less trash cans up what <laughs> <laughs> I know. And three, no Akira Kurosawa Museum. They've been talking about it for years, as if he's not the greatest director who ever lived. <laughs> I think it's a pity that we're going to get a George Lucas Museum before we get an Akira Kurosawa Museum. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is a real moneymaker, so if, if only Akira Kurosawa had his own Star Wars, I guess. Yeah, and if you put, like, I don't know, Seven Samurai on a, on a balance with Howard the Duck, I mean, <laughs> those things are going to be pretty even out. <laughs> Or Legend. I think Legend was another movie he did. I don't remember. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's not important. Uh, yeah. Did you even go to Studio Ghibli and see them make no, I didn't everything get a, by cell? No, I didn't get a reservation. No, you didn't get, I didn't get a reservation. <sighs> um, I missed that window. It, it's a fast ticket. It goes fast. Tisk tisk, right? Tisk tisk. But I did see uh, K- uh, the Golden Pavilion, Kinkaguji. Kago- mm-hmm. This is the other thing. I'm struggling. I struggle like getting uh, American words out, or English words out of my brain to my mouth. So you can imagine my struggles with Japanese words. But that was, I think, one of the most worthwhile bits, um, even though it is like one of the 
greater tourist destinations in all of Japan, mm-hmm. that, it, that is totally worth it. There's not a bad angle of that building, so go see it. Um, there's also no pretense of it being a shrine, so... Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, nobody, nobody's really going there for a religious experience. They're there to gawk at a gold foil <laughs> covered building. <laughs> uh. So, uh, to sum up in three points, uh, Japan is a land of many contrasts. Um, <laughs> it preserves the past while uh, having an eye to the future. Mm. And uh, land of the rising sun, more like land of the rising fun. <laughs> the point is, I had a great time. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. Glad someone gets a vacation around here. <laughs> it's like toil. That's your fault for going to graduate school. <laughs> I go to graduate school so I don't have to toil as much. Or maybe I'll yeah, toil okay. less in the future. Who knows? Tenure, yeah. baby. Give me that tenure. Okay. Give me that sweet, sweet academia. The safe mm-hmm. shell of academia. Mm, it's cozy. Yes. Um, speaking of academia. Sorry. No, I, I, yeah, that's just, there's no way transitioning out of this. Hey, welcome to Aspiring Snobs. It's a movie yes. podcast. Yeah, it's it's a movie podcast where we catch up on classical films that you were either one of us hadn't seen yet, mm-hmm. and uh, you chose this one based on our Tokyo theme here. Exactly. Um, I figured Greg had just gotten back from Tokyo. Let's let's keep the conversation going about you know Japan and has it how it's a land of rich history with an eye to the future. Is that how you described it? Yes, um, preserving the past while having an eye to the future. Ah, yes. <laughs> So this week we watched Akira. No, no, <laughs> no. Heaven no we've already seen that one. Uh, I don't think you and I are eager to revisit no, it either. That's no, our great contrarian opinion on that one. Hot take: Akira is not that good. No. Uh, no. Instead, we decided to revisit a classic nineteen uh, fifties movie, which is not directed by Akira Kurosawa, surprisingly. Nope. Uh, and I was really hoping that you hadn't seen it, but of course you have because you are a massive yeah. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're of course talking about Yasujiro Izu. Uh, there it is again. <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> Yasujiro Ozu's masterpiece, Tokyo Story. Story. <laughs> yeah. Gonna visit the grandkids and lock them, act like shit. <laughs> you brought up another point. Yes, it's a classic 50s Japanese film, but it is not directed by Kira Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. This is more art house fair. This is Ozu we're talking about here, John. This is another one name only director that you could bring up and sound super intelligent. So we use, deploy it wisely. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. Orzu, he was he was more the Ozu, not Orzu. Oh. He's not right. <laughs> He's not right. <laughs> God, was that racist of me? I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's an Italian grain, but whatever. Um. So this guy has more of a reputation of being kind of art housey fair. 
I mean, because I, yes. I, I got the sense that, yes, this is very much a chamber drama as opposed to Akira Kurosawa who is doing, you know, the big bombastic spectacle, I suppose, even though it was, I guess, bombastic's not the right word for it, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so the, he made his bones on being much more minimalistic, having a, a style that that is really kind of restricted and trying to wring all the drama out of that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I call this his masterpiece because this is generally regarded as his magnum opus um, in which, and as you mentioned earlier, or at least as you sang earlier, it's a family drama touching on a lot of Japanese cornerstones, namely familial relationships and respect for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two grandparents um, who are coming up from, I believe, Osaka, like southern, Very rural southern area. Japan. Yeah. Yep to Tokyo where their children live and work. Mm-hmm. Um, work being the operative word because they barely have time to make for their parents. Exactly. And uh, there's obviously the initial like culture shock, the culture clash. They, Although it's really more, they really visit more of the suburbs, but we can't help but get, you know, little interludes, little uh, insert shots of seeing how mechanized uh, Japan has become. A lot of smokestacks and trains going by. And I had to keep reminding myself, oh yeah, this is only like a decade out from World War II. And that is kind of important context to remember about this movie. Uh, it's obviously a movie about the, the changing face of Japan and the fact that, yes, it is a rapidly industrializing nation, but what are we leaving behind, Greg? Are we losing our traditional values in the process? <laughs> yes, and I think that's why Ozu is more generally regarded in Japan versus Kurosawa, who was doing Western-style movies for Western with Western themes, for mostly for Western audiences, or at least for the admiration of them. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure that was intentional, but um, yeah, that's why this movie kind of maintains, or at least maintains a reputation. But let's let's get to the style. It's not just what a movie's about, but how it goes about mm-hmm. it. And this is something that Ozu is also known for, but something that I'm really struggling with today, mm-hmm. and that is a wide shots, no real master shots, but instead wide, set on the tatami mats, you know, uh, t- registering a point of view of the characters as they um, talk in a very conversational light tone. Yes. This movie breaks the fourth wall a lot. In, again, a subtle way. It, the camera's placed as if you are a participant in this conversation, and they, the actors are looking directly at you, talking to you as if you are a part of this conversation. And yeah. I, and- for one, loved it. I thought it was very intimate. I thought it was a great use of the camera, and it was very kind of... Well, I'll just get right out with it. I love this movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, because I love stories about quiet desperation. And I love movies where the actor, like, it feels like the director said cut just before the actor breaks into tears. And that's, like, (laughs) basically a majority of the scenes in this movie are, you know, the grandparents coming to visit or everyone's kind of, like, finally getting a chance to sit down and they just kind of all have very banal conversations. But it's like what they're actually talking about speaks volumes, the fact that grandma and grandpa feel like they're imposing their kids are kind of they're grateful to see him but also they feel like they're kind of a burden and again it's all it's all very unsaid and i like the kind of low stakes drama of that and i love the 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 conversational style as we were talking about of the direction i like the kind of intimacy of it even though you seem to have you seem to have a a bit of an issue with it yeah so i'm i'm surprised to hear that Mm because generally if you're tuning in for the very first time uh welcome (laughs) and um, god bless you for making it this far but um i'm the one who kind of demands realism Mm -hmm. and and appreciates when it when it kind of reflects that the the problem i'm having here is that maybe it's my my like western style is 
like it's not it's so committed to realism it's not just the as you said like point of view shots like the camera set on the tatam on the on the mat mm-hmm. uh, as they're sitting down it's also the way in which characters move there there is no like kind of cutting straight into the middle of a scene instead we watch characters enter and leave the scene mm-hmm. and so like that this is a as we'll get into, like, not a very complex story, not a lot of twists and turns, but it is two plus hours of characters, like, kind of <laughs> d- sliding open the door, sitting down, like, standing up, going to get the pot, sitting yeah, down. Yeah, but again, that, I, for me, that lured me into the, the, the mode of this being a very kind of quiet, chambery drama. The fact that it was mm. moving at the pace of life. And normally I don't like movies that move at the pace of life, but I did appreciate it in this movie because, again, that's the point. It's the fact that. You know, these this family's on vacation. They're all trying to spend time together and trying to make the most of it, even though they don't really have time for each other. And they don't really care that grandma and grandpa are there. They're kind of looked at as a burden, especially with the grandkids. The grandkids are kind of little shits, <laughs> which I also kind of appreciate. Well, the, the kids are shits, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the other they thing. They just have better too, manners, like, I suppose. Yeah. We, we've talked about the style, maybe get to the content, too. It's clear that the kids, like, do not make time for the parents. They, like, son, they, they're they busy with work. The uh, I think the oldest son is a pediatrician and has to make house calls. There's an emergency that comes up when they had made plans to go out with the grandparents. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the same with their, I think, eldest daughter who runs her own salon. Mm-hmm. And so, like they like just send her, just send them to this uh, bath on the ocean. Like it, it's fine. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> take know, they, take them walking. Like they employ a friend yeah. to help out. Like mm-hmm. take them around the city. Like walk them around, and then they have like kind of a little conversation as well. Like I, I just I like I liked it a lot. Um, I will admit, okay. it, you're right. It is a very slow movie. It is kind of boring, but like I said, that's the point. It's moving at the pace of life, and it's meant to be kind of a low stakes story. That is until you know mama gets sick um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you're right i can't deny the the mastery of this of this movie or like how it how it can get dubbed like one of the greatest films of all time as if any as if any movie can kind of live up to that title mm-hmm. but yeah let's get to some of those like masterful touches like you're right the the single shots do reflect a lot of emotional impact like the the key scenes that stood out for me was um when the eldest uh, son cancels plans because he's got to make a house call to a sick patient mm-hmm. and their day gets basically canceled and the uh, and the their oldest um, grandchild is being a little shit and <laughs> you know just throwing a fit yep a- after that uh grandma takes their 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 grand their younger grandson out for a walk and um she kind of and again it's on a single shot and it's outside it's one of the few shots that take place outside or yep. at least um similarly do and she has this big emotional scene it's when i say big it's like big for the movie when she says like you know what will you be when you grow up will i even be around to like see it or whatever yeah and you're right it does like hit you like right in the core like so well i mean and that's the thing like it finds those big moments of drama in the littlest things like yeah like the the grandfather and the grandmother after all these uh, little things like again he has to make the house call or also when the train gets canceled like they always make the best of it like the way they smile at the camera that's what makes the kind of breaking the fourth wall so effective is the fact that they mm-hmm. kind of just like smile through everything and nod and they're looking right at you but you can tell how disappointed they are <laughs> like uh, there's a key scene towards the end that kind of stuck out to me is the fact that 
you know, nothing on this trip has gone right, but they're talking about it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we, we should consider ourselves lucky. Like, we have good children. <laughs> and yeah. it's again, it's all about those emotions that they won't let themselves feel. Like, I've, I'm really yes. drawn to that for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, oh, no, you know, there's, there's that key scene where uh, Grandpa gets drunk. Like, they send Grandpa yes. off to, you know, just do his own thing, and he ends up getting, you know, wasted on sake with two of his buddies. Yeah. <laughs> しかしな、沼田さん。わしも今度出てくるまじゃ、持ち。どうせ彼がどうにかなっとると思うとりました。ところがあんた、まずいのこう、前待ちじゃねさ。あんたの言うことはよ、わかる。あんたの言うように、わ
uninterested than they are in their parents' lives. <laughs> like, yeah. it would be kind of appropriate for them to, you know, find out of this information secondhand and for us, the viewers, not to be privy to it. And then next time we see her, she's basically in a coma. So, and it's, it's you know, an excuse for everyone to kind of, like, get back together again. But even that is, like, short-lived. And it's like, well, I got to get back to work. And, oh, she had a full life. Like, again, like, I, mm. I, it's a movie about, like, people who won't really let themselves feel they just kind of like busy themselves and these kind of like last scenes, even though, yes, it's like they could have wrought it for a lot more tension. Like, Oh mother, what's happening? Like they still don't (laughs) like, they still keep it very subdued and they keep it very kind of like even keeled. And I don't know, I don't want to speak for the Japanese culture, but (laughs) like you expressed, you know, we're all in service of each other. And this, you, you could, argue that the theme of this movie is like you know people not trying to be too selfish and what like how are they suffering internally because of that yeah and i'd say that's not that issue isn't unique to japan Mm, yeah maybe that's why this is also regarded as a masterpiece worldwide is because those themes are universal Mm -hmm. like we've we've kind of lost this collective like our society now demands that we earn a living through money and you know we're losing these familial connections so at the expense of spending time with our families. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. Like, it it doesn't have to have these big bombastic scenes. Like, the other, like, kind of heart-crushing one is um, their youngest son, uh, Kizu, when they're kind of playing t- playing a game of telephone. And, like, what is happening with mom? What's her current state? And they, they rush to their hometown in, in southern Japan to actually see her. Um, Kizu, like, misses the train, and she misses this final moment with her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, at one point, he just has to, like, during the funeral procession, like, he just has to go outside and sit. And that's that's the kind of, that's all the drama that you get. But it is just that, like, much more impactful rather than, say, a long dialogue scene or a violent outburst or something. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, fair warning to the audience, and this this was my reservation, like, you and I are brought up with these, like, storytelling tropes or adages, Mm -hmm. like, um, like, tell it, tell the story visually, um, because you're in a visual medium, or, you know, uh, uh, what's another one, like, come in late and leave early, (laughs) because that's more dramatic that way, You, you move more efficiently, and, and. Uh, Ozu like steadfastly, steadfastly refuses to do that, um, <laughs> but that doesn't make the the movie any less dramatic. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I guess it may make it less entertaining and maybe a little bit harder to sit through. お姉様ぐらいになるともうお父様やお母様とは別のお姉様だけの生活っていうものがあるのよ。but again, like it worked for me, and uh, yeah, I I, I, tre- I appreciated the the kind of slow, methodical pacing of the movie, and 
even in the like they probably extended like the after the point that grandma dies that scene probably could have been cut down a little bit but it was kind of nice to get the aftermath like everyone kind of settling back in deciding like what they're gonna do and you also see grandpa reaching for that drink again <laughs> like that's the yeah. other kind of thing like do they imply that he had kind of a history of alcoholism maybe that they don't really talk about because again what are they not talking about like that's that's yeah. what i kind of appreciated about the movie is you know what, what are they not talking about <laughs> Yeah, or they have to silently judge the oldest daughter because, like, the day after the funeral is like, hey, can I have mom's old clothes? No. Or, like, the man's <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, I'll take mom's old clothes. I, I've always wanted that yeah. one. <laughs> Spoiled little shit. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, we say that, but, again, this isn't playing by typical movie rules. It's not playing with, like, heroes and villains or, mm. you know... We have to establish this character is likable. They have to save the cat in by page ten, <laughs> so it is a great relief from that. Um, it's just it's just some of the, I'd I'd say like the the enjoyment factor is is not say there the way I enjoy a Kurosawa movie, for instance. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Kurosawa is definitely going for a, a broader, uh, broader themes, broader action. Yeah, definitely much more enjoyable in terms of like wider audience appeal. I mean, kind of we we ran into this a few weeks ago when we watched Stalker. Like, Stalker's obviously not a movie you watch to be enjoyed. <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's an art yeah. piece. And <laughs> yes. I, I appreciated this movie a lot on its level of artistic merit. When you're right, yeah. like, would I rather watch this or Mad Max Fury Road again? Probably Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, you can't, you can't deny its mastery. Mm. So, yes, it belongs in, like, the pantheon of, of one of the most, like, wonderful films ever made. Maybe not the most enjoyable ex- uh, cinematic experience, but, you know, still, a masterpiece. So. Yeah. And again, you can watch this and not have to visit Tokyo. You've already gotten the whole story. <laughs> it, exactly. It, you know, pretty much this. Um, <laughs> you know, if you didn't return that call from your grandparents or, you know, don't want to book that flight or train or car ride out. Guys, call, if, if we have one lesson to impart to you, call your parents. All right. Yes. See how they're doing. Call up your grandparents. Call up, call up your great-grandparents if you're fortunate. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know how young our youngest viewers are, but or listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And also, don't be selfish. I mean, we all are. We know it deep down. But uh, try. Let's. Uh, oh, I'm let's getting try, mom's uh, old clothes when she dies. Like I'm just getting <laughs> all those. <laughs> I'm getting all those heirlooms, bitch. <laughs> that's fine. I got to get back to work anyway. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. Uh. Look at the time. Um, not much else to do here, so. <laughs> Well, Greg, we can't leave without giving someone a hearty recommendation in the segment that we use to end every episode, and that is our signature segment, Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Well, Greg, keeping up with the uh, Japanese theme, I have a Japanese anime I want to recommend. Ooh. Oh, boy. I know. <laughs> I, me trust me, I hate myself just as much as you hate me. <laughs> no, you're one of these desperate weeaboos who want to live in Japan, and the moment you land and see the I first, want to be like, a manga artist ad, so bad. <laughs> yes, yes. And the first time you land and see an anime uh, advertisement or poster, just tears are going to stream down out of your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> My stupid, stupid round eyes. Uh, yeah. No, I want to recommend an a anime that was kind of unassuming when I found it on Netflix uh, a month or so ago, but uh, it turned out to be uh, quite an interesting take. It's called Carol and Tuesday. 
Caroling Tuesday? No, Carol and Tuesday. That's the characters' names. Oh, okay. Like Tuca and Birdie. Exactly. Or Vernon Shirley. Or Harold and Maude, you know. (laughs) Yes. Bonnie and Clyde, Carol and Tuesday. So, uh, Carol and Tuesday follows uh, uh, two young women uh, on different sides of the tracks. Tuesday is a, a very sheltered, affluent young woman who kind of escapes her her uh i already used the word i can't think of a better one affluent life uh she kind of like lives as like a debutante under the thumb of her uh politician father she escapes from her little mcmansion and and runs off to the big city where she runs into carol carol is a down on her luck waitress she's kind of in between jobs a lot her life is a mess when are they gonna get it together (laughs) wait are you telling me people from two different classes are coming together and they conflict in some way or (laughs) well actually just the opposite they come together and realize uh they both kind of share a dream they're both musicians you see ah yes so carol uh when she's not you know sucking at being a waitress she's busking and so that's how she runs into tuesday and it turns out tuesday has an antique gibson guitar that she can also play quite well and so they kind of improvise a little duet and someone happens to record it and it goes viral greg and so the series follows them as they uh go through the travails of trying to make it in the music industry while also still trying to maintain uh authenticity i see Mm. now you're probably wondering why is this an anime and not a traditional you know filmed production and i guess i buried the lead this show takes place on mars ah okay (laughs) i was wondering because yeah, it, they aren't going to adapt any Ozu films uh, for anime, <laughs> are they? If it's if it's anime, it's got to have a fantastical element. Otherwise, what's the point? Yes. So this takes place uh, some decades odd into the future on a newly terraformed Mars, and so even though the story that they're telling is you know one of kind of rags to riches behind the music, because it takes place in the future, they can kind of like amplify or like satirize all the kind of modern trappings of like what is happening in the music industry today. Like I said, the way they kind of get their start is that someone kind of surreptitiously films them and it goes viral. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like their first stepping stone into stardom. And as we're kind of following Carol and Tuesday as they're on their journey upwards, we're also following another character named Angela, who is is on kind of a very parallel path to them. She's a, she's a kind of child star slash model actress and she wants to get into singing, and because she's already very wealthy, and because she's already kind of in the system, they're kind of like, and it takes place in the future, they're kind of algorithmizing her success, like okay. they're using like computers and AI programs to figure out like what songs she needs to sing and like what pitches she needs to approach and like hit in order to like get a number one hit. So it the the sci-fi elements kind of enable us to kind of satirize and kind of make you know, pointed remarks at what actually it takes to, like, be a musical artist in this day and age. Okay. Yeah. Um, I gotta ask, is the music good? Like, do you enjoy that part of it, or...? Um, personally, for me, no. It's kind of, okay. like... It's it's kind of very, like, dainty, like, lo-fi pop stuff, which I don't okay. really care for. It's kind of, like, it feels like background music to me. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but again, I the don't... animation... The animation is so gorgeous. It's, like... And that kind of like makes up for a lot of it. All right. I, the reason I ask is because, yeah, it already takes like a musical leap for like anime. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like a, do you like that style? Like, okay, check that box. Flow over to like now. It's a if it's an action like it's if it's in the action genre. Like, does it have good action? Like, you know, it mm-hmm. has to tick that box too. I feel like. But well, the other I thing mean, if you're saying that 
that the kind of relationship between the characters work and the storyline is like interesting in terms of the conflicts that they're coming with and the concepts that they're satirizing works then yeah Mm -hmm. I i can see how yeah it can work i mean the other thing you you kind of like butt up against is the fact that the the main theme is like authenticity yeah. Like, how do we kind of get big in the music industry without losing our souls? And so because of that, the music kind of has to take on a kind of low quali- a low key quality to it. So that okay. they kind of stay real to themselves. Like, if it was like bombastic power ballads, then it would kind of feel inauthentic, wouldn't it? Just mm-hmm. by its very nature. And then, so here's the thing I'm most embarrassed by, though. Yeah. And I can't admit that, or I, I, I'm, I'm remiss to admit that... Um, like I got a little excited too that there was a little Easter egg that I I, I caught while I was watching the oh, show, boy. and I think that's also another reason why I appreciate it. Oh no, what is this? There's a scene in like episode three where they're at a diner, uh-huh. and like they're all poor, you know, they're all trying to figure out who's going to pay, and then they mention that the currency they're using is wulongs. Does that sound familiar to you? No. <laughs> wulongs, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What it is? What wulongs is, it? is the currency they use in Cowboy Bebop. Oh boy! Yeah. Okay. So again, it, like this yeah, is in the future. It's space I, travel, I don't and care I was about like, anime. I just watch all these series, Cowboy Bebop, and exactly. But it's like I, on the one hand, like the nerd side of me was like, I caught that joke. I caught that reference. But also, I'm like embarrassed because I got that reference. <laughs> well, John, we don't we don't shame here. Um, okay. Well, maybe we do. But... Oh come on. <laughs> Always, Greg. Never, yes. never let anything slide. <laughs> That's true. But hey, if if you found something, if you if you put yourself out there mm-hmm. and tried something different, in this case, a, a kind of lighthearted musical anime, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'm, of course I'm going to cheerlead that and uh, commend you for enjoying it. I mean, but, this is what I'm all about. I'm all zone. about the cross pollination with cultures, man. Yeah, um, namely one, Japan, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Whichever one is the most commoditized, I'll be into, okay? As yes. long as someone can get money off it. That's what's important. <laughs> yes. Got to support the family. Got to support the company. That's that's what's most important. I'm going to visit all those shrines and throw money in, get my wishes, you know? Yep. <laughs> Commerce, believe, baby! Yes. So you bow, or you throw your money in, then bow, and then you clap um, once your prayer is done, I believe. And then bow <laughs> um, again. Yeah, that's okay, what, what kind of clap are we talking? Like... Uh, no, it's it's a polite, it's two polite kind of like smacks uh, okay. of direct of the hand. So fingertip to fingertip. Can I can I add a little flair to it? Like a little no, t- no. Oh, what? Come Be on. respectful. This is why <laughs> I I stood uh, far away and abided by the no no camera taking or no picture taking policy. So no, okay. Yeah. Yes. You, well, you shouldn't take cameras. Period. Like that's just no. Thievery. I do. <laughs> It nailed me on that one. Okay. <laughs> yes, I did. Bam. <laughs> Got you back. Yes. Again, we're all about shame on this podcast. This is a shame-filled podcast. Yes, we are. Yeah. So, John, why don't I shame you for this? Okay. You're a, supposedly a movie lover, mm-hmm. but you also haven't seen what is probably the greatest movie coming out this year. Ugh. Palm Door is... winner. I'm talking Boon Jong Ho's Parasite. Ugh. Look, he, I only watch his movies if they go straight to Netflix, okay? Give me more Okja. <laughs> Give me. More I know. Snowpiercer. I know. Snowpiercer didn't, but I saw Snowpiercer. Yeah, on that, Netflix. So. That TV show will come out uh, one of these days. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So also, just uh, sidetrack. I yeah. saw the trailer, and I'm like, this is just the movie again. 
just spread into a season of TV. I don't get I, it. Okay. I, so there is a trailer. So it is happening. Yes, it is all happening. I, I feel like all I hear is just news, but okay, fine. It's um, got the guy from uh, the Kimmy Schmidt for some reason, the, the Indian guy. Oh, Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, that's where he, Was got, he, that's in where he got his big break. Yes, David oh. Diggs. Yeah. Oh. Is he Indian or black? No, he's black. <laughs> okay, I thought he was Indian. And American. <laughs> no. Okay. He looks in... Whatever. It's, <laughs> Shame I, me, I please. Just diversity come. matters. I know. Diversity Treat matters. me so rough, Daddy, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving well past that, let's get to to Parasite. All right, this okay. is uh, Boong John Ho's latest. Mm-hmm. And it, it thankfully, uh, or at least thankfully for me, it's much smaller in scope than his last two movies, uh, which were big like international productions snowpiercer and okja uh, mm-hmm. and this is a, this is again the story of class it's about a family of four um living not not quite in squalor but definitely in the in the lower depths of soul um we kind of introduce them and they're when we first see them they're eating meals they're eating a meal together but they're also talking about various schemes on like how do they survive like uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, um in in the movies like the honeymoon movies, basically like uh, quick, sort of. quick, get quick, rich schemes. It, it's more uh, degrading than that because the, the first big laugh, um, kind of dark <laughs> laugh in this dark comedy, is um, they're they're spraying down the streets uh, to uh, get, eliminate pests, and oh, um, yes. the father suggests, yeah, leaving the windows open uh, so they get free fumigation. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember that but, scene from the trailer. It, but the uh, oldest son uh, gets clued in by his friend, who's a tutor for this uh, super wealthy. family family this upper crust family in Seoul and um he, he wants he basically wants the son to take over because he he's interested in the girl that he's tutoring and he knows that his friend isn't a threat so mm. that should yeah that should leave that should that's the first little like kernel of drama that we have here um he he fakes his uh, university credentials so he's allowed to tutor but that's when he gets his sister involved in saying like oh you know uh i know somebody who could tutor uh your other son in art um mm. and so the upper crust family is played as somewhat oblivious, but not like uh, not to such an exaggerated degree. Mm-hmm. Um, the most exaggerated is that it comes in that is that they want their youngest son to be tutored in art and develop into a great artist. It's clear that what he's doing is not really sophisticated. It is like a it is like child's drawing, but they do play up the fact that like oh he's he's very sensitive. You know, it just needs our, our tutoring sessions have to be closed off from you, and it just has to be <laughs> okay. us. And yeah, look look what this uh, this uh, scrawl of black you know says uh, about his psychology. <laughs> So it's making fun of modern art. Yay. Awesome. Yeah, I, there's, there's something. The depths haven't been plumbed on that one. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's... it's Everyone see it to, Velvet Bubsaw? Yeah, no, it's using it to satirize um, the mother, mm. who is, who again, isn't isn't as ditzy as she like could have been. But it, it's clear that they're, they're, in spite of their riches, they're they're also like not exactly savvy. So mm. eventually, like, their current house staff gets displaced by this family and yeah it's it's a very good kind of uh funny comedy of manners in this first half but then um it takes a bit of a a cognitive leap and then becomes somewhat of a a thriller and Hmm. again i wish i wish you had seen it so that i could kind of expose every twist i know boon Boon john ho said he didn't want uh us critics or anybody to reveal any twists so i'll i'll speaking vagaries here but um one of the i mean again of this, going off the trailer i assume a murder takes place i well yeah john come on it's a movie so <laughs> <laughs> 
So, it, but it does require this cognitive leap involving one of the staff members that they displaced. Okay. And so, like, um, yeah, like, obviously, like, th- this scheme starts to fall apart, and, you know, they got to, like, obviously preserve themselves and this current, this station in life that they're now, like, kind of um, find themselves in. Hmm. So that, like Snowpiercer and stuff, there's a lot of obvious symbolism, too. It's very rich there, but unlike, I'd say, Snowpiercer and Okja, like, Boong John ho is just doing one thing and doing it very well. In this case, blending genres and having, like, a clear theme that uh, he's communicating, like, very well. It's not, like, 15 different ideas or movies or tones, like, kind of slammed <laughs> all into one. <laughs> Instead, it's just a very, a very good, dark class comedy that really kind of ramps up into, like, uh, like high tension and uh, potential violence. So, again... I, I can see why it's uh, winning all these accolades and, and really winning all these plaudits. Because um, I really enjoyed it. I think everybody else will really enjoy it. And, and in spite of my reservations, like, again, that, that kind of halfway twist that involves um, one of the former staff members. Again, if you, if you kind of have that imagination, you can kind of go there. Mm-hmm. But um, I think from there, it really, like, it really sticks in a, a great emotional landing uh, with this family. So, okay. again, like, yeah, it... it I think it is uh, worthy of the praise, so worthy of the hype. You think it's one of the best films of the decade, Greg? I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, okay. No, I, not not in a decade in which uh, Mad Max Fury Road came out, John. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Like I've been kind of scared to see it because, A, just going to the theater, ugh, what a trick. Um, uh, yeah. But then... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it feels a little, like, I I was listening to, like, Pop Culture Happy Hour, and I forget who it was, but one of the panelists, like, agreed, like, everyone's overpraising it, like, it's overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the the thing, if there's one thing that this uh, episode of the podcast is about, is divorcing our expectations from our evaluation of the movie, Mm because, again, we watched Tokyo Story, lauded as one of the greatest movies of all time, (laughs) and now we're... (laughs) Uh, looking, sitting down to watch Parasite. A lot of it is one of the best films of the year. So mm-hmm. we have to, like, how can we set aside those expectations and just enjoy the movie on on its own merit? And us being uh, very advanced simians, I don't think we can. <laughs> I mean, but I think even even outside of that, it's it's a, still a very well done movie. Yeah, I mean, we are pretty advanced simians too. I can't argue with that. And that's true. Um, yeah, I'll get a chance to see it. Hopefully, I'll see it this weekend. But you know, okay. Just, so many so many movies i know it's just it's too much there are too many movies these days <laughs> we need to scale back we just need uh just five movies a year all released by disney <laughs> all based on familiar properties i'm not mad about it let's see yeah. there's one marvel one star war one disney princess uh fox can have one <laughs> and uh one martin scorsese movie there we go there Yay. five there yep <laughs> The five movies need to see this year. Well, I'm glad we figured that out. Yeah, I think we yeah. settled it. <laughs> I mean, if anyone else has any ideas, though, Greg, where yeah. could they reach out to us? Oh, well, I mean, I don't see what they can add to the conversation, but if they would like to try, <laughs> they can reach us on Facebook, Aspiring Snobs, or on Twitter, at Aspiring Snobs. Uh, it's spelled just as, as I said it. Um, <laughs> no pauses or spaces or anything like that. Um, we're also on Instagram, which I, yep. I think is a very funny feed. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you. We do also take more personal communiques via mm. email, aspiringsnobs at gmail dot com. Go ahead, send us your recommendations, questions that we'll answer on air. Also, your thoughts on Tokyo Story or Parasite or um, 
uh, Tuesday and Birdie. What's, what's it called? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's called Carol and Tuesday. It's Carol and Tuesday. Yes, if you yes. have seen that show. Mm-hmm. According to Polygon, it's one of the best of the decade, Crick. All right. <laughs> Great. Let's see. What else? Um, you know, th- th- that's what we do for you. Now, if we, c- we can ask a small favor that you could do for us. If you go to your podcast service of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, just go ahead, rate us five stars. More people will find the show, and more people will join in that conversation, and we'll get more ideas, and we'll make the show better, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, And also, with a positive review, the algorithms bequeath their blessings onto us, and yeah. they decide that we can reach more people, and they'll push us up to the top of the charts, and we'll help build this Aspiring Snobs community together. Yes, it's all about building community, finding connections, mm-hmm. uh, getting out of the rat race, and instead um, enjoying... Respecting uh, tradition with an eye for the future. Yes, <laughs> that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> that's its ethos. That's our new description on all our, on our, yeah. All our platforms. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an AV Club uh, TV show recap headline. <laughs> <laughs> Four people got that. Anyway, John, let's yes. also clue people into what we're watching next week so they can watch along with us and have some idea of what the heck we're talking about because i know we don't do a great job in describing what we just watched (laughs) no absolutely not but uh believe it or not thanksgiving is coming up so uh, talking about family visits oh boy we probably should have saved this for next week but who cares um but next week we do have an appropriately thanksgiving related movie because it's a movie about eating a whole bunch (laughs) um next week i'm going to be watching a little movie called big night which I am not super familiar with, but it's got uh, my two favorite actors, Tony Shalhoub and Stanley Tucci. We yes. got the Shalhoub and the Tucci together again. Yep. So this I'm is, very excited is, about it. Yeah, this is a this is a personal choice. This this may not have won the Palme d'Or at uh, at uh, Cannes. It may not have won any Academy Awards, but it certainly got garnered a cult following, and that's because it is like a, a very sweet, uh, relatable drama. So I can't wait to watch it with you, bro. All right, me neither. Oh, family. Yeah. I know. Ugh. I you know what I think, Greg. <laughs> I'm sure nobody screams that in this movie, but... <laughs> you know what? I think the big night were the friends we made along the way. Indeed. <laughs> but they weren't Tony Shalhoub and Stanley Tucci, because we're not friends with them yet. No. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. One day. Yeah. One day they're going to answer my letters. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I, we may have a special surprise guest next week. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Finally. I mean, I've been checking their trash, and, you know, there's been no clues, but... (laughs) In the meantime, thank you, everybody, for listening. (laughs) And until next time, I keep aspiring, you old cannoli! (laughs) (laughs) 